This is the Warriors Community Podcast. We inspire, equip, and empower others. We inspire by sharing our stories, our personal experiences, by asking questions and answering questions for other people. We equip by sharing our resources. What books have you read? Podcasts have you listened to? Even movies that you've watched? What tools have worked for you or haven't worked for you and why? We empower by walking through healing journeys with each other and just walking through life in general. We hope that by listening to this podcast, you feel inspired, equipped, or empowered. Now, not every podcast series is applicable to you, and we know that. But we hope that you are able to take something away from each podcast and hope that there is a series that really does speak to you and that you relate with personally at some point. We are in the Enough series right now, but we are planning more series to come out with to inspire, equip, and empower. Enjoy the podcast. Before we begin today's conversation, I do want to make a brief disclaimer. Not all of the views, beliefs, and core values expressed by guests on this podcast necessarily reflect the views, beliefs, and core values of myself or the Warriors community. However, we at the Warriors community do believe that everyone has a right to speak up, to speak out, and to share their story. And with their story will come what they believe, what they think, and what they feel. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I hope that you walk away feeling challenged or feeling inspired, equipped, and empowered. Welcome back to the Warriors Community Podcast. I am so excited for today's podcast. I'm excited for every podcast, but this one in particular, I have Angela back with us. She's been on the podcast several times at this point. Every time she comes and speaks, I love what she has to say. I'm also excited because Angela is going to have a conversation with me that I've wanted to have for such a long time, and we're finally doing it. So Angela, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I think it been what almost two years since we did our first initial podcast all the religion what did I name it something about religion in my in my original podcast that was just called warriors you came on and that podcast caused quite the stir I think our original goal was to just combat unhealthiness in the church and in ministries or organizations. And then we talked about a mutual organization that we were both a part of and our experience there. And we left it at that, right? We didn't, we never divulged the name or names of anyone in the organization. We left it there. We went and lived our lives for like two years. And then all of a sudden we get a phone call from somebody in the town that that organization that we discussed what is, is in And that person's like, hey, someone found your podcast. Lots of people are listening. The abuse you experienced is actually still going on to this day. And it's still affecting people in a huge way. What can we do to bring awareness to this and the abuse that's happening? And we were like, 
that podcast was done like two years ago. I, I uh, didn't even remember what I said. And then I think out of that, you birthed the enough series where you thought, you know, there comes a point when someone is abusing people for so long that I think there's that saying that says evil prevails when good men do nothing. And at some point, someone has to stand up and speak out and say, there's major abuse happening here and we need to bring awareness to it because it is going to continue and they're going, the fallout is going to continue of the lives of people who are immensely affected by this. And I think that's where we're at now. Exactly. Yes. And in the original podcast, I really wanted to bring exposure to abuse and religion in general. And you and I just happened to have gone through the same ministry and had the same experiences. I had no idea that all of this time later that it was still circulating. And I haven't checked the analytics in a while, but I did go back a couple of months ago and I looked at the, at the old analytics from that podcast. And the one we did together is by far the most viewed on YouTube, just on YouTube. So well, I, I think it was passed around in that organization too, because yes. word got back to us that there was threats of some people wanting to sue us yeah. and just threats of people, just they're mad that, but yet we never mentioned any names as we still have not mentioned any names, but if someone were to ask me why, why speak out now? Why are y'all doing this? What's the point? I would have to say our why would be because it was brought to our attention that people are still being abused. And I don't think you and I are the type that can just continue to, to sit back and watch it happen to other people because we watched it happen to our friends. We have friends that actually are no longer walking with God because of their experience in that organization. Yeah, We, were, we went through what years of therapy to talk through our experience in that organization. Mm -hmm. still, and then it was still, yeah. yeah. Still, still in therapy for that. <laughs> Talking through that experience. And then we got word that that organization was wanting to expand its influence deeper into the college that it's geared around and that they wanted to begin to influence more students and bring more students into their organization. Yep. So they're, they're very much so positioned on that campus and conveniently they meet at the very edge of that campus. And their hope is that more students will come in and visit yeah. and then they will be able to influence those students into their, their ideas. And I, I would say that the issue is not even their theology. I'm not, I don't actually have an issue with their theology. I think a lot of their theology is actually pretty clean as far as God's love for us, God's desire to be with us, God's desire for a good life for us. I think the issue, well, I know for a fact, the issue is that the desire to control people to, to control what they believe and who they are with, even to who they marry is so deep that they use their ability to teach very well as the lure or the fishing pole in the lure to lure people in. And then they literally take control of their entire life, even down to where they live, where they work, who they marry, who they're allowed to be friends with. And they have extended that control well into foreign countries. 
I have a friend in a foreign Asian country where they used to do a lot of their mission trips. They actually turned an entire church against that friend of mine simply because she befriended someone that the leader felt like she shouldn't have been friends with. Yep. And they made sure that my friend, her name is Che, they made sure that my friend, that everyone had turned their back against her, that that people stopped giving into her ministry and basically isolated her because she didn't obey them because she was caught having a friendship with another person that didn't agree with them. And from what I understand, she, this Che, left a Facebook comment on this person's page that was seen and because of that, the lead pastor here in America reaches out to her in the, that Asian country and says, you can't be friends with this person. And they have this whole fight. And And correct me if I'm wrong, but this ministry, this college ministry funds this church over here in this Asian country. And they threaten to pull funding if she didn't cut ties with that person. Well, it actually... So I was a part of this organization. I think I said it in my old podcast. I started attending the university in my hometown. I became a part of this organization. They were having Bible studies on the campus. I wanted to be a part of something. I had a desire to connect with people, to be a part of something bigger than myself. I loved the idea of traveling on mission trips. I loved the idea of the family feel that it brought. I mean, when you're in college, you want to feel like you're in some sort of sorority. It was basically my college sorority. If you could say that it was my, it basically took the place of that. Mm -hmm. And so I was also very vulnerable. I didn't have a very deep connection with my parents, desired the feeling of family and being connected to a parental figure. This organization took me in, the leader took me in, took me under their wing, discipled me for years, had a very strong control in my life, controlled who I talked to, controlled my theology, controlled my belief system. And as long as I was compliant to everything that they taught me, things were went very kosher, very well between us. And I was happy to be in that codependent relationship. I wanted to be codependent upon somebody. I wanted to be owned by somebody. I wanted to belong to somebody. So I was very happy to totally go along with everything that they requested of me so that I could feel connected, that I belonged to them, that I was part of a family. And they would say oftentimes, I keep Angela on a short leash. That now that I say it, I'm like, oh, that's something, that's a terrible thing to say about somebody is that you keep them on a leash. Yep. But at the time I was like, I'm owned, you know, like a dog likes his collar. A collar tells a dog, hey, you belong somewhere. And so I was totally fine to have a collar and a leash and have a limit to how, what I could do. And of course I gave everything. So I served every minute I could. I was at every single service. I was helping with all the nonprofit stuff. I was going on all the trips. I was leading as much as I was allowed to, unless I got in trouble. And then I was told I wasn't a good leader. And then I had to repent. Be delivered. Things necessary. Yeah. That you needed to do to be put back in leadership. Man, I was like, I was sold out because what I was getting back was a sense of love and belonging. And that was more valuable to me than freedom at Mm. the time. And I think it was when years later, I had like, God did something in me. Like God woke me up. Like 
all of a sudden, as I'm sitting there, they had Bible, they have Bible study every night at a certain time of the week. And I'm sitting there during that night. And as I'm sitting there, I wake up and I realize this is, this isn't okay. This is a lot of control. Actually, like anytime someone disagrees with them, they're villainized. And actually people are told not to hang out with you if you disagree with them in any way. If you have your own way of thinking, your own theology, your own belief system, your own understanding of God, you're told that, and it differs from theirs, you're like asked to leave mm-hmm. the organization. So I kicked back on that. And I was like, hey, I don't think this is right. I, I feel like people need the freedom to work out their own belief system and work out their own understanding of the Bible. And it was at that moment the villainization of me started happening. I was being accused of stealing money. I was being accused of having an open marriage, which did not. I was being accused of just a lot of horrific things so that I could be villainized, so that I could be shut up, so that I could be shut down, so that I could be removed, so that they could continue their control with no one questioning it. And I think Liza, and the only reason I know these things were said about me is because you were pulled into meetings and told those things about me, right? Yes. I remember one of your last deliverances, and I was trying to think through before this podcast, my memory is a little spotty, so you might be able to fill in some blanks, but I remember being pulled into a meeting when you were accused of stealing money, which you were, by the way, an excellent manager. Angela was the manager of the coffee house at that time. And the coffee house really facilitated the the, the front, the business front, so that we would bring, they could bring college students in, make money. And then a lot of that money would go towards sending people on mission trips. And then that's where everybody hung out. We we did all the Bible studies, everything centered in that coffee house. And you ran it and you did an excellent job and you ran a tight ship. You started getting in trouble for doing things differently because you were really trying to bring order and build the business as you should have. And so I get pulled into a meeting about your rebellion. And I was told to use my friendship with you because we were best friends at the time. We lived together for most of the time. We knew each other then. And I was to go to you and tell you, you needed deliverance. And I remember you fought that. The memory that comes up the most is I remember being in the coffee house cleaning and you were supposed to go to someone's house for your deliverance. And you were texting me and you were furious and you were saying, I'm, I don't need to be delivered. This is not a deliverance issue. And you knew I had thrown you under a bus and you were mad at me. And I was, I think the same as all of us were at the time, just still in the mindset that this is what we do. And so I'm trying to be kind and go, but you do need deliverance and stop resisting. And, and really <laughs> deep down, I'm like, oh my God, she's right. So I just think about that often being in the coffee house, getting those texts from you. And you're like, I don't want to go. I'm not going. I don't need deliverance. Well, it's because I was told, so we call it like ambush deliverance. And so <laughs> this ministry or this organization really believes in deliverance, which is fine. I I don't not believe in it, but they ambush deliverance you. So they tell you, Hey, can you come over? I cook dinner. 
and you'll walk into three or four people who are about to try and cast demons out of you. Yes. For being a person, like for having a different opinion than them. There's a list of things I have watched. My friends have ambushed deliverances over because they got nose rings and therefore they were demonic. Maybe they struggle with anxiety and depression and therefore they were subject to a deliverance because it was their fault for having demons. And that's why they're struggling with anxiety and depression. Uh, you were pulled into a deliverance because someone thought you were really pretty and they were having impure thoughts about you. <laughs> and you were pulled into the deliverance to cast the spirit of lust off of you because they thought you were pretty and they were having impure thoughts about you. Yeah. All the so, time, actually, the guys kept turning me in saying that I dressed inappropriately and I didn't, I had no style. I think I dress more inappropriately, quote unquote, inappropriately now than I did then. And I'm like, I'm pretty conservative. And so is my husband. You did. Let's just say you were just completely inappropriate. If you having a body and displaying your body, it's still, if someone chooses to meditate on that in and out of your presence, that's a them problem. Yeah. It's not a you problem, regardless. That was just one of what we know a girl who was pulled into a deliverance because she struggles with autism. Therefore, she has a demonic spirit on her. I mean, yes. these were always the ones that were the most wrong were the ones that were always surprise deliverances. If you didn't comply, you were villainized even more. We're this group of students in college who want to be a part of something. And it, it really felt like family. We were really close, but there was this underlying abuse system of control that we didn't know about. When you're, when you're 18, 19, 20, you don't know about that. And you believe the best about people who are leading you. Yeah. So when I started speaking out against that, I started speaking out against ambush deliverances and that not everything is a demon. Sometimes <laughs> people just need counseling or just because they're spreading their wings and having a different belief system does not mean they're demonic. Just because they're pushing back on some really unhealthy aspects of the ministry doesn't mean that they're wrong. And so because I started doing that, I became a target. And so to bring it all back around that person in that foreign country congratulated me on my Facebook page for something I did. And they said within an hour, they received a phone call saying that I was basically like a witch and never to speak to me. And if they were caught speaking to me again, that their ministry would be defunded. They answered back with, I'm sorry, you've had that experience. That is not my experience with her. And my friendship with her does not have anything to do with my relationship with you. And, you know, I don't feel like there is anything wrong in our connection and therefore I would like to maintain it. And within that year, they were completely ousted from the main church they were a part of and they were defunded. And to this day, the same thing happened when you tried to talk to me, they pulled you into a room and said, you're not allowed to talk to Angela and be friends with her. Yep. And and then they asked me to replace you. <laughs> they removed you from leadership. They removed you from management. And then it was actually sometime later. It was not immediate, probably a year after that happened. I was asked to come over to the lead pastor's house. And she felt that my time was not up with her and with this ministry and, and that 
I was not to leave, that I was to remain for at least another year. And she just asked me, will you give me one more year and I will let you do all of these things and be in charge of all of these things, which were your tasks. And I remember looking at her and I'm like, Angela's my best friend. And you're asked, you fired her. And then you asked me of all people to take her place. No. And that resulted in my last conversation I ever had with her, which was a screaming match and went on about 500 other things. And we never spoke after that. Well, and the issue was, because I know that people started leaving. So she, she had an assistant, she calls this other woman, her assistant, and the relationship is questionable at best, but she has an assistant and, and she basically did all of her bidding or all of her evil plotting or anything she wanted to do through this assistant. So the assistant was the one to come and confront you and tell you you're in trouble or to come and tell you, you need deliverance. And the thing is, is that was all the past I, I wish, but now you and I started, okay, are we the only ones who had this experience or are there other people who've had this experience? And all of a sudden out of the woodworks came tons of ex-students, alumni from the college that, that this organization is influencing, not the college, but they're trying to influence the students on the campus, mm -hmm. alumni from them and people that had joined in their early 20s, maybe they never went to college, and they started coming out with their own stories of things that had happened to them that we didn't even know was going on far after we left. Yeah. And they're having these experiences and lots of them are like, I don't even serve God now because what, how the, to the level that they use deliverance as a form of abuse, to the level that they tried to control me, it made me even question because they use God's name to control me. Is there really a God that would want to do that to me? I mean, I hate to burst their bubble if they're listening, but people that they are friends with now who's even said my time there has had a lot of, there's been a lot of negative things ha ha that had happened to me during my time there. Yep. And I'm friends with them now, but I'm not close to them because of how badly I was treated. I think at this point, it's like, man, I want to save the next generation of 18, 19, 20 year olds who want to be a part of something like we did. And I want to save them the broken relationships, the extreme control, the multi multitudes of ambush deliverances, the belonging and then, and then not belonging when you don't agree. And all of the abuse that we all went through, I just want to save that generation coming up and say, it's not worth it. Like we're years down the road and we're still going through counseling to talk through what happened to us then it's not worth it to save to encourage them like be involved in your college be involved on that campus be involved with the ministries on that campus but be very careful for this outside organization because on the outside they will obviously defend themselves on the outside it promises so much but once you're in there the damage is long-term and, and the audience may be asking, well, why haven't you confronted them? Why haven't you talked to them about this? We have, 
Yes. It's, we have confronted them. In fact, anyone who confronted them and said, hey, I think some of this that's going on is not good or healthy. They've all been villainized. And we you, all hear the stories. About yes. Like, and you can't speak. There is no other side. And that's not even an exaggeration or an excuse. When you confront, there, you will not be right. There is no possible understanding or po just possibility at all for you to be correct. And that's what makes it so hard, which is why we brought it to this public platform because we're going, okay, we have attempted to have these conversations in-house as they should be done. I don't want to be on this podcast <laughs> talking about these things, but like you said, there are so many generations that have been impacted and will be impacted by this ministry. And, you know, this college campus is a, is a Baptist Christian campus. A lot of the kids coming here to this college are coming for some form of ministry. You have a lot of people doing theology or wanting to be pastors or youth pastors, missionaries, whatever. Not everyone is a believer, but most people come to this college campus for ministry purposes. So of course, they're going to be looking for a ministry to be involved in. And this one is not affiliated directly with this college campus, but they're, they're right on the edge. They look like they're a part of it and they definitely will send people out to recruit the college students and what college student doesn't want to walk into a coffee house and hang out and do their homework. So that's, that's the goal is to have influence and power there. We would like to spare some people the, the time it's going to take. Like you said, we're all still in therapy, not all of us, but some of us are still in therapy, working through this and processing because the damage is so great. I remember when I first came there in 2008, I had several people, whether they were professors or they were college students who warned me and said, careful. But at, but at that point, way back then, it was really more in my, in my experience, a theological difference or issue. It's a Baptist campus. This ministry is a charismatic ministry and they were very charismatic. So and so I just thought, eh, maybe they don't agree theologically or sure, every, every ministry is going to have its unhealthiness. I can deal with that. So you get in and through the years, it got more unhealthy and more unhealthy. And I said this in a different podcast, but the lead pastor got divorced in 2014 or 2013. And after that divorce, and it was just her, and they took a hard left turn and they did not look back the abuse is significantly worse. And we're, we're finding that people from that or from that, from that timeline till now, this is where we have the most atheist agnostics, the, the most hurt, the most confused, traumatized. Whereas before I think, and you would know better, you were there much longer than me. You were higher up in leadership than me. I think that there was always something a little off. It was a little bit, you chew the meat and spit the bones, but certainly it turned abusive at some point. Oh yeah. Well, and, and, and now they have adult grown men in their thirties trying to minister to young 18 year old college students. 
Yep. These adult grown men are in, I guess they're, they're leading and they're trying to influence these young female students. And these aren't like adult grown men with families and married, like you would like a, a normal college pastor. These men are, they're single and, and they have a history behind them. And a present, a present sexual issues. Yeah. So you have these adult that like the, even the setup of it is very unsafe. They don't have accountability to anybody else outside of that organization. There's nobody like holding them accountable for anything happening within the organization. Pause. I know, I know you were so into that episode and I know you hate ads just like I usually do, but I want to take a second and tell you about the Warriors Apparel. Why Warriors Apparel? Well, it's to remind yourself who you are, a warrior. If you would like your own warrior shirt, you can go to the Warriors Instagram, click on the link tree located in the bio, and you will find right at the top, remind yourself who you are, apparel. You can choose from a hoodie, crew neck, unisex t-shirt, or a v-neck t-shirt. They come in two different colors and all the sizes. Go to the link in the bio on Instagram to purchase yours today. Now back to your favorite podcast. At this point, the desire is to spread even further and deeper into you know, that college that they're trying to reach out to. And then they're trying to get political offices in the city so that they can spread their reach there. And I know that they try to get churches to back them up. And the, the hard thing is, is that we talked to several churches who are like, uh, no, we actually have members that were a part of that organization that have suffered a lot of abuse from them that we are actually rehabilitating right now. and. Yeah. Therefore, we cannot endorse what's going on there. And we've also had multiple people come out and say, I always knew something wrong was going on. I just didn't know what it was. Yep. And they've come out and said, you know, what can be done? What can we do? And, and really, it's hard. Your hands are kind of tied. And the only thing is just to bring awareness like, hey, you have to be careful what kind of organizations you become a part of. You have to look for red flags, look for organizations that don't ever allow you to ask questions. They don't ever allow you to, like the red flags in an organization would be, we don't allow you to ask questions. You cannot question anything that we're teaching. You cannot have a difference of opinion than what we're teaching. Everyone else around us is wrong and we're the only ones who are right. We handle everything in-house. We do not allow anyone from the outside to speak into how we're handling people in-house. We encourage you not to go seek counseling because we are your counselors and we will counsel you. We do not seek outside counseling. We counsel ourselves and each other. We do, we, if you do not follow our desires of who you have a connection with or a relationship with, you will be in trouble, even down to who you date and to who you marry is very much set, tried to be set up by them. And it's not, the issue is not the theological difference between charismatic and non-charismatic or non-denominational. I think we're in a generation now where 
that's that. I don't think we're fighting over that anymore or colors of the carpet in the church or fighting over, you know, does God still heal people today? I think we're very much past that. This generation's like, you know what, if he does, that's awesome. The issue is the amount of mental abuse and, and the control and just the, the rejection that is being told like, Hey, if you suffer with anxiety, you're probably schizophrenic and crazy. And therefore we need to pray over you and pray that off of you. And if you can't get it off of you, there's something really wrong with you. And so you walk around scared to death that you have demons on you and you'll never get them off of you. Or them saying, if you, I think they said directly to you, you have a spirit of rape on you. And if you walk out of this house right now, and you get violated, it is because of you and yep. the spirit that's on you. Yep. I was told, because uh, I was raped multiple times by more than one man. And I was told every rape was my fault. And if I was raped again, which I would be, it would also be my fault. Yeah. I was told that I was rebellious and had a spirit of witchcraft because I got my nose pierced. <laughs> and that was, a, and I actually, they had a pastor come up to me and try to rip my nose ring out. And I was told if you didn't take it out, um, you weren't fit for ministry. Now that I'm looking back on it, I'm like, I should have been like, deuce, I'm out. I don't know what you guys are like thinking, but you just kind of stay in it and you comply. That abuse happened to a lot of my friends and a lot of the people I know around me. Then I think towards the end, they told people lies about me. So I do, this experience did happen to me and actually happened not just to me, but to a lot of other people. But so I remember they would tell me stories about other people and how bad they were and to stay awake. So I believed those stories. I found out later in life that if someone's doing it to somebody else, they're going to end up doing it to you. They have told some of the most blatant, non-true stories about me to other people in hopes to vilify me so that they can cut relationship off for me. And unfortunately, I have, I have people who are my friends who believe it. Fortunately, there are a lot of people who've come out and said, well, we don't believe that because same thing happened to us. Were they blatant lies? Were they misunderstandings where you can look back and go, Ugh, it's not right, but I see how they got to that conclusion. Oh, well, that's a mixture of both. I mean, it's one thing to misunderstand somebody, but isn't it your job to go to them and say, Hey, I misunderstand this about you. Can you please have a conversation with me to clarify? And then according to several people that I know, it's blatant lies, like popular lies were that I stole money. Just Why did they think you stole money? That that's what I have always wondered. Um, no one, I didn't know that they thought that like that, that's not something I was ever confronted on. That's something someone told me years later is the story they tell people that I took money out of a register of a, I helped them run one of their nonprofit sectors and it was actually not profitable at all. And I worked with their accountant for a year to get it profitable to make, to have it make money. I was so excited because that nonprofit was finally paying its own bills. And it was finally functioning as a business and it was something super exciting to me. So when I kicked back and said, Hey, I think you're operating in control. And I think that some of the things you're doing are wrong. That was one of their reasons to ask me not to ever come on that in that building that they had, they used the reason that I had stolen something. Wow. They didn't use the reason of, well, she confronted me on some very questionable behavior <laughs> Yeah. And she kicked back and said, hey, some of the things you're doing to people are abusive and they need to stop. And she disagreed with some of the things going on and stood up for people within that 
within this organization. And we don't like that she's done that. So therefore we asked her to leave. They would never say that. That would make them look guilty of doing what they, they're actually doing. Yeah. They just made up things. Yeah. And I remember, I think the story of you now is, well, she wants to shock people and she's a shocker uh -huh. and uh -huh. she's rebellious and she leads people on. And then, and I'm like, well, that's not Liza. That's not Liza at all. That's not my experience with her. In fact, that's not a lot of people's experience with her. Those are all lies about her. Curated because it was a sermon that I was used in that she did not say my name, which good for her way to be smart. But I knew who I was because of the story that was being told. And I forget the exact wording, but I remember I text you. Yes, I was very sexual. And there were guys I know in that room that I had been sexual with or that I had a past with listening to this sermon. And I, she kept saying I was such a little shocker and that I would lead these men on and then drop them. Is, is, is there, a, okay, to take responsibility for me, is there an element of truth to that? Okay, sure. But I look back and I'm like, I was not okay. It would have been nice for someone to look at me and acknowledge, wow, you've had an extremely traumatic past with men. And so it makes sense that you're drawn to having sex with men because of, you know, what's happening here. It would have been nice if someone helped me understand why I was doing what I was doing, but nobody did. And or maybe even <laughs> understand that it takes two people to tango. You weren't actually raping these men. It was very consensual and that you're not, you weren't the problem, but that the right. men who were, who are in their thirties leading this organization were actually engaging in those acts with you willingly, happily, willingly. And it was, they only had an issue when you actually said, I'm going to stop this relationship and I'm going to walk away from it because this is not the desire for my life. And then they had a problem and then you were called in for deliverance. We, right, we, right. No, yes. I'll talk about that or. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. we don't need to, we don't need to get. These were just skin. poor, helpless, poor, helpless guys who didn't have their own ability to make yeah. their own choices and they were fell victim to you and you strong-armed them into every act that they had with you. And they are these poor little victims that Liza just left writhing on the floor. No, no, no. Yeah. I made such a, I have another point I want to make, but to this point, it's such an old conservative mm, purity culture mindset that men are totally victimized by women as far as like, like women are the gatekeeper to their purity and women hold the line as far as sexuality goes. So it puts a whole lot of pressure on women and no pressure or responsibility on the man. And so it just, it just to me is super insulting to men when we're taught those things, because it's like men have no self-control and men it can't function outside of their sexual sexuality or sexual cravings, whatever. And if not for a woman who holds the line, they would just watch porn and have sex all the time. So that's really insulting to men and untrue. And on top of that, it also gives men a free pass to 
be really sexual and not feel responsible while all the blame, shame, embarrassment goes to the woman. So, which is a really old belief system that we are, you know, when you know better, do better. We know better now as a society, as a church, we know better. Yes. We even know now women are not the gatekeeper keepers of men's purity and men are not the gatekeepers of women's purity. We are the gatekeepers of our own purity. A woman, an individual is responsible, male or female, for their own purity. They are responsible for keeping themselves pure or whatever acts they want to act out on. It's their responsibility. Unless you have been overtaken and violated against your will, it takes both parties to be a willing party. And you can't go in and just... Well, if she didn't dress like that, he wouldn't have acted that way. Or if she wasn't pretty, if she didn't look how she looked, he wouldn't have wanted to be with her and been victimized. I'm just saying all those men were just as willing. Right. They, they played a very happy, willing part in that. They, their innocence does not lie on either end. Right. And I, neither does guilt. I agree. Both ends just, they were being people and they were in a relationship and then they decided to get out of the relationship. And to the point... And off this rabbit trail. I hate to do this to you, but you will have to wait until next week to hear the rest of Angela's story. We've decided to split this episode into two parts because the conversation was going so good. I just didn't want to end it. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Angela for part two. We switch gears in the conversation and you don't want to miss it.